Recorded live. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. So worthy. God is worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of the praise. God is so worthy of the praise. God is so worthy of the praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy, oh Lord, you are so worthy, worthy, worthy. Amen, amen. God bless you, children of God. We do greet each of you once again in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior, our strength and our Redeemer. For those of you all worshiping with us for the first time, I am Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church Worldwide Headquarters, Kinston, North Carolina, USA, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Living the Word, where sound doctrine is brought to the ears thousands of God's people all over the world. We do thank God for another day. We thank God for life, for health, for strength, any good thing that you can think of, my brother or my sister, let us understand that it has come from God. It has come from our Creator. He has blessed us today. Uh, It was God who woke us up this morning, allowed us the ability to rise from our beds and do our daily activities. We give him glory. We give him the honor. And we give him the praise. Saints, we're going to take a look this morning at something the Lord had placed in my spirit Um, because many of us as children of God don't have the right understanding of some things. You know, even though we are children of God, God still teaches us and he still explains to us because that is what teaching is basically is. Preaching is what to do. You know, get saved or accept Christ or give offering or treat your brother right. Preaching is the telling of men and women what to do, what to do. Uh, uh, Preaching, rather. But teaching the word is when we explain how 
it is to be done. Jesus taught every day in the temple courts during his earthly ministry. He taught the people every day in the temple courts. In other words, he explained how to do what God wants us to do. It's one thing for us to be told to do something. It's another thing for that thing that we're being told to do is explained to us. This is why we praise God for preaching, you know, the what we are supposed to do. But we praise God even higher for teaching the how we are supposed to do it. We're going to take a look at the book of 1 John chapter 1 with a special focus on verse 6. Verse 8. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. From the New International Version our scripture simply reads If we Claim to be without sin. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Once again, 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We are working from a theme this morning. No truth in them. No truth in them. Let us pray, children of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do magnify you. We do exalt you. We thank you, Father, for who you are. We thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you are going to do. We pray, Father, that you will forgive us of our sins as we understand that for us to even claim that we have no sin, We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Father, help us to acknowledge the truth about us, in us, through us. Help us to admit to the truth, Heavenly Father, that you will be pleased, that you will heal, that you will deliver us. Speak, Father, for your children are listening. Let your name be glorified in our midst today. We will forever give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise. These and all other blessings we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our precious Lord and Savior, that the people of God say, 
Amen. Amen and amen. No truth in them. Bless the Lord. As we look at 1 John chapter 1. we see the writer talking to us about the reality and the realities in our life as children of God. He talks in verses 1 through 4 about the word of life, the word of God, the importance of the word of God, what it will do to us, through us, and for us. It goes on in verses 5 through 10 to talk about light, darkness, sin, and forgiveness. We thank God for the Apostle John as he shares so many insightful revelations and truths with us. The reality in this life, just as there is light and there is darkness in the natural realm, we know that there are normally so many hours of light during the day, but at a certain time, we know that darkness rolls in and there is a certain amount of time that we have to spend or, or deal with darkness. We understand the reality of both of these components in the natural realm. If we were to see a, a day, and I, I remember, and Lord is bringing in my spirit now, the church here, we took a trip up to Alaska a few years ago. Very beautiful place close to the top of the world. We flew from here in eastern North Carolina all the way across the United States to Seattle, Washington, took a ship from Seattle, Washington, up the west coast of Canada and up into Alaska. 
saw wildlife and saw so many things that were untouched and natural beauty. Saw glaciers, frozen rivers that were moving maybe 10 feet per year. Wild animals that we don't normally see uh, in this part of the world, but we saw them in Alaska. We went on tours where they told us many facts about this part of the world. And one thing that one of the tour guides shared with us that sticks out in my mind. They said that during a certain time of the year, they only have six hours of daylight. Now, we know that here in eastern North Carolina, there will be times during the winter when it starts to get dark around 5, 5.30 p.m. We have very little uh, daylight. Once it gets 4 or 5, it is already starting to get dark. But in Canada or in Alaska, they shared with us that There were times during the year when their days were short that they only had six hours worth of daylight. So maybe from seven, eight in the morning to one, two in the afternoon, then it starts to get dark. And I was trying to imagine that, spending 18 hours out of the day in darkness. That was hard for me to comprehend, hard for me to grasp, as that would be a difficult environment to be in. Why? Because we are used to a certain amount of light, and a certain amount of darkness. If it was all light, that would be hard to deal with. If it was all darkness, that would be hard to deal with. So God, who is a God of balance, our God is a God of balance. There's so much winter and there is so much summer. There is so much light and there is so much darkness. There is even so much good and so much evil in creation. There is so much sin and there is so much forgiveness. So there is light and there is darkness in the natural realm, in humanity. 
Well, just like there is light, so much light, and darkness, so much darkness, there is so much righteousness and so much sin in us as human beings. There is so much righteousness and so much sin in you and in me. There's so much righteousness and so much sin in your pastor. So much righteousness and so much sin in every man that has lived on this earth except for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In him was no darkness or sin at all, but in all the rest of us. And this is why John says to us in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, not if Jesus claimed to be without sin, because Jesus' claims to be without sin, Jesus' claims uh, to be the only begotten Son of God, Jesus' claims to be perfect were valid and were true. John does not say if Jesus claims, but rather John points to the fact and points to the reality that we are different from Jesus. Jesus was God's only begotten son. We are God's adopted sons. Jesus was God's perfect sacrifice. We were sacrificed for perfectly by Jesus. As much as we Try to be like him. Strive to be like him. Aim to be like him. There are differences that if we don't acknowledge, ah, thank you, Holy Spirit, just like we cannot acknowledge Jesus as God's only begotten son who lived, bled, and died, as a sacrifice for our sins, we cannot acknowledge that and not be saved. Because any spirit that confess not Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the anointed one of God, is of the spirit of the Antichrist. Failure to acknowledge who Jesus really is is, was, and forever shall be, can cause us to be condemned to hell for eternity. Well, that is one thing we can fail to acknowledge that will get us in trouble with God. But another thing the Lord says that if we fail to acknowledge, it will get us in trouble with God. Bible says, if we claim to be without sin, 
Now, I've shared this with you all a number of times. Now, I'm led to share it again. There are two things that each one of us as children of God have in common. One, we have the Holy Spirit. As children of God, what marks us is not whether we pay our tithes or whether we speak in tongues or whether we, what marks us of, as children of God is that we have received the spirit of God. For the Bible says, if any man hath not the spirit of God, he's none of his. Not if any man does not pay his tithes. Not if any man does not speak in tongues. The scripture asks a question. Paul asks a question. Do all speak in tongues? The gift of tongues is a gift. Just like being an apostle is a gift. Being a prophet is a gift. There's no one gift that should be expected of every one. God has blessed us with different gifts. But one thing that should be expected of every believer, whether black or white, whether young or old, whether barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ as God's only begotten son, should possess the Holy Spirit. If any man hath not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. The Spirit of God marks us. The Spirit of God is God's seal upon us that we are his children. Well, we have the Spirit of God in common as children of God. But some of you are saying, Apostle, you said two things. There are two things that we have in common as children of God. The second thing that each one of us has in common as children of God, is this thing called sin. Bible says, if we, well, who is the we that John is referring to? He's referring to believers. He is referring to saints. Those of us who have been born again by the precious blood of Jesus that is purifying us from all sin. You say, Apostle, what are you saying to us this morning? The blood of Jesus is cleansing us from all sin. As far as God is concerned, it's already done. But the reality is we are in the process of being cleansed. 
This is why we still make mistakes. This is why we still error. This is why at times we say things we should not say. We do things we should not do. Does it mean that we are not saved? No. It means that the process that God has instituted in our lives, the purification that is taking place from all sins is an ongoing process in your life and in mine. And if we claim, John makes it very clear. Now, what are we talking about today? Those who claim they have no sin, John says, let me let me tell you what you're dealing with, because there are some individuals that have been deceived by the adversary into thinking they don't have any sin. Then the Bible says, if this is your mentality, there is no truth in you. And what that means, my brother and my sister, that means that the Holy Spirit is not in you. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth that was sent from God to live in us as God's select and elected children. And if we claim, John says, if, if, you, if you even let that come out of your mouth, if you even let that thought into your mind. You need to rebuke it in the the thought that you have no sin. You need to rebuke that thought. If you let it come out of your mouth that you as a mere man have no sin, John says no truth is in you. If we claim to be without sin. John says, wait a minute. You, a mere man, you are letting it come out of your mouth because any claim, it has to come out of our mouth. You, a mere man, a mere woman, claiming that you have no sin, you are claiming equality with God. Jesus was without sin. Uh, and the Lord says, Robert, deal with this with my people. So those that are twisted up may get straightened out today. On one occasion, Jesus' disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us, you know, because if you haven't been taught how to pray, you're doing it wrong. Anything that we have not been taught properly how to do, we are doing it improperly. So much that even children of God are doing improperly. The disciples said, Lord, we don't want to be praying improperly. Teach us. To pray. You need to be taught how to pray. You need to be taught how to give. You need to be anything in the kingdom of God 
that is meant to be done. It's meant to be taught. This is why the early saints devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine or the apostles' teaching. Every day, Acts 2 and 46, every day, every day, the people devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to prayer, to breaking of bread. Why? So that you and I, or so that the people of God could learn from the apostles how to do things right. My prayer for every one of you under the sound of my voice is that you will subject yourself to sound doctrine that you may learn, that we may learn how to do the things of God right. The disciples went to Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us. Explain to us how to pray. Because just as we understand there is a right way to pray, we understand there is a wrong way to pray. I've been in so many places where individuals are preaching Preaching the wrong way, teaching the wrong way, praying the wrong way. Lord, teach us the same way your disciples asked you 2,000 years ago to teach them how to pray. I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, here in 2018, teach us how to pray. Disciples said, Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray. Jesus said to his disciples, this then is how you should pray. In other words, Jesus said, look, there's a lot of praying going on. But you asked for the right way. You asked for me to teach you how to pray. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Why did Jesus say this then is how you should pray and not this then is how we should pray? Why? Because I'm hearing the Lord in my spirit speaking now that there were aspects of what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer that Jesus never had to say to the Father. We Men and women, sinful men and women, us who who say what we shouldn't say, who do what we shouldn't do, who stumble in many ways like the Bible says, we, Jesus said, this is a prayer for you all. Jesus said, not for me. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Not this then is how we should pray. Jesus said, I have a different prayer. I have a different way of communing and talking with the Father. But this is what you, Robert Bryan, need to say to the Father. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. And Jesus went on to share with his disciples what they needed to make sure they said to the Father, in order to pray right, 
my prayer for every one of you under the sound of my voice. I just see a few of you here with me today. My prayer is that we will pray right in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ. There is a right way to pray and a wrong way. I hear the Lord say, Robert, there's a right way to fast and a wrong way. God says, Robert, there's a right way to give alms and a wrong way. Let us take the time not just to find out what to do, which is what preaching will tell us, but let's find out Let's take the time to find out the right way to do things, which is what teaching will tell us. Jesus said this then. He taught his disciples. He taught his disciples how to pray. Wouldn't it be something to stand before the Lord on judgment and find out, Pastor, that you've been praying wrong? Or to find out, Apostle or Bishop, you've been praying wrong all these years, all that then we need to take time to find out the right way to do a thing. As I shared with you all earlier, whatever God is calling for you and I to do in the kingdom of God, he is calling for us to do it right. God is not just calling for us to pray. God is calling for us to pray right. God is not just calling for us to give. God is calling for us to give right. God is not just calling for us to do anything. He is calling for us to do anything right. My prayer for every soul under the sound of my voice that we will take the time. There's no rush, my brother and my sister. God spoke something in my spirit some time ago that, that I'm going to share with you all, and I pray it is as much of a blessing to you as it was to me. God says it is better to be right than to be popular. God says it is better to be right than to be well spoken of by men. Listen to me, my brother and my sister. You know, some days I come in here and there's so many saints joining us, you you cannot you cannot even hardly count them. Some days I come in here to share, and there are just a few. Crowds may come. Crowds may go. But my prayer for you is that righteousness will be your standard. Whether there are many supporting your ministry, whether there are few, whether there are many that are with you or whether there are few, let righteousness be 
outstanding. I was speaking to one of my daughters from uh, Abuja, Nigeria, early today, and she told me, she said, Daddy, you know, I'm very careful about who I follow in the things of God. And I said, yes, daughter, we, we have to be uh, very careful as many false prophets and different things have gone out into the world. And she told me, she said, Daddy, righteousness is our standard. I said, yes, daughter. I said, that, that is good. That, that needs to be a slogan. Righteousness. My prayer for you, my brother and my sister. Listen, we're not here for a show. God has not put us in ministry, in the earth, in life for us to put on shows. God has put us in this thing called life that you and I might do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And what pleases God? Righteousness. What displeases God? Unrighteousness. So, children of God, I encourage you, take your time. Take your time. Take your time and get things right. Better to be right with God than to be fast with God. Better to be right with God than to have a whole lot of whatever. Just be right. God is calling for out of you and out of me, my brother and my sister, is righteousness. God is calling for us to get it right. Well, John pointed out that there are claims that men and women make. Some claims that men and women make are true. Some claims that men and women make are false. But John say this particular claim, the claim that you are without sin, you as a mere man, as a mere woman, that claim, John says, is deadly. That claim, see, see, listen, there are certain claims that let us know that individuals are not saved. If an individual, the Bible says in, in Romans 10 up around, eight, 10 up around verse 8, that if we claim that... Uh, Jesus Christ is God's son, that he died for our sins. Uh, you know, it, this is what lets individuals know that we are saved. You know, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart 
the Lord Jesus and that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says you you shall be saved. That is a claim that lets us know that we're dealing with the spirit of God or not. The scripture talks about how, you know, any spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ as God's only begotten son, as the Messiah, it's the spirit of the Antichrist. When people don't want to claim that Jesus is God's only begotten son, that he's the Messiah, that he's the son of God, you, that lets us know we're dealing with the spirit of the Antichrist. Well, my brother and my sister, you need to understand there is a claim that people make or can make that lets us know that they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. John said, if we, in other words, professing believers, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. I pray for every soul under the sound of my voice is that we won't condemn ourselves by our claims. Don't condemn yourself by your claims. John says there's a reality in our lives called sin. We commit it. We don't like to. We don't want to. But the reality is we commit it. We do it. It's a part of our life. We are trusting God for complete healing of it, cessation of it. But John says the reality is that it is there. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Individuals that make that claim, Scripture says there's no truth in them. God is letting you and I know that individuals who make these kinds of claims are not really born again, have not really possessed the Spirit of God. Light, darkness, sin, Forgiveness. Rather than claiming that we do not have sin, John suggests and encourages us to ask for forgiveness of our sins. The claim that we have no sin has just caused us to 
deceive ourselves and the truth not to be in us. But rather than claiming that you have no sin or that I have no sin or that your pastor has no sin or your let us ask for forgiveness. Let us acknowledge the reality of sin. Now you, you now in order to acknowledge your own sin, it takes the spirit of God. It takes the spirit of truth. Because what the spirit of God, the spirit of truth will do, as we sensitize ourselves to him, and we listen to him more, and we, we become more in tune, it, it is much like, and what the Lord is, is placing in my spirit is a bright light. Now, if you wake up in the morning and it is dark in your room, you cannot see very much. You may look at something and it looks like Something else. You may see a statue um, on your nightstand or see a light on your nightstand and it looked like a glass. or it, it, You can't really tell what things are when it is dark. But when you turn the light on, everything becomes very visible. You say, Apostle, what are you trying to let us know? That the Holy Spirit is that light in us. The Bible says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. The Spirit of God is light. So whereas in our natural selves, we can't really see what things are and where things are coming from. But when we have the light of the Holy Spirit, and as we turn it up in us, as you study God's word and as you seek God's face and as you get closer to God, you turn it up the light that is within you. It's like in the natural. As we turn the light up in our room early in the morning, oh, we can see what's on the floor. We can see what's on the dresser or on the counter. We can see so much more as the Holy Spirit is turned up in life and my life. You can see everything much more clearly, even the sin in us. The Holy Spirit, what he does is he, one of the things he does is reveals sin in us, through us, around us. So as we get closer to God who is light and in him there is no darkness at all, 
we see more of our own sins. And if a person is telling you they have no sin, all, all they are saying is they are not close to God. That's all they are really saying is that they are not close to God. Because anyone that truly gets closer to God, who is light, who who in him there is no darkness at all, they are able to see much more of their own sin, much more of their own weaknesses, much more of their own shortcomings. A person that is standing in a bright light, they can see all the flaws on their body. They can see all imperfections in their skin, blemishes in their skin, where they're standing in bright light. Our God is bright light. And the closer we get to him, we see the more we see in ourselves what is not right in order that we may fix it. What is the purpose for getting in a mirror? Why, why is it you and I don't get in a mirror in the dark? Because if we are in the dark, there is no need for a mirror. We can't see anything anyway, so there's no no purpose of a mirror. But we get in a mirror in the light. Why? Because in the light, the mirror can show us what is right, what is not right, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be left alone. Well, God is much like a light, and God is much like a mirror. He will show us what needs to be fixed and what needs to be left alone. He will show us what is okay, what is not okay. And as we turn the light up, as we as we get closer to him, he will show us more and more of what we need to fix. My prayer for every soul under the sound of my voice today. is that you will find yourself in the light of God, in the light of God's word, in the light of God's will, so that you and I may fix what needs to be fixed. We'll straighten up what needs to be straightened up. You look at verse 5, 1 John 1 and 5. John said, this is the message we have heard and we declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness. In God there is no sin. In God there is no mistakes. In God there is no flaws, no evil. God does not think anything wrong. God does not say anything wrong. God does not do anything wrong. The Bible says in verse 6, we claim to have fellowship with him. Another claim. And walk in darkness. We're not talking about slipping into sin or falling into sin, but 
We're talking about consciously walking in sin. Scripture says we lie and do not live out. But if we walk in the light, in other words, we walk in the truth, we walk in righteousness, we walk in holiness and purity, we walk under the unction of the Holy Spirit. If we walk in light as God is in the light, we have a fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. We thank God today. We praise God today for the purifying work that he is doing in our lives. We thank God and we praise God for the process of purification. If I had to preach this sermon on another day, I might call it the process of purification. But John says, but be careful now, be careful. Even though this process is taking place in your life and in my life as children of God, John says, be be very, very careful that you don't start claiming the wrong thing. John says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Be very careful, my brother and my sister. He didn't talk about the devil deceiving us. He didn't talk about demons deceiving us. He didn't talk about evil men or our enemies deceiving us. The scripture says John is warning us as children of God to be careful that we don't deceive ourselves. Claiming to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. May that not be our portion in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, now, rather than claim we have no sin and deceive ourselves, John said, here is a better way. You see, you got to understand something, my brother and my sister. The God that we serve will always share with us the better way. The better way to be a husband. The better way to be a father. The better way to be a Christian. The better way. Whatever it is to do, there is a better way and there is a not so better way. There's a better way to give you can give sparingly. God give you that choice. Some of you out there have chosen to do that. Well, when that comes back to you, don't be surprised when God starts giving to you sparingly. Some of you, under the sound of my voice, God has given to you abundantly, and you have chosen to give to him sparingly. Well, it's just a matter of time before God will give to you sparingly as you have chosen to give to him. 
It's a choice, giving sparingly or giving abundantly. It's a choice, living righteously or living wickedly. It's a choice. It's a choice. God has given you and I human souls to make the choice. My prayer for every one of us is that we will choose the things that are pleasing in the eyesight of God. John says there's a choice. You can choose to claim to be without sin and deceive yourself, or you can choose to confess your sins. John says if we confess our sins, what God will do, he's faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, understand, my brother and my sister, the choice is ours. We can choose to claim that we don't have any sin, deceive ourselves, have no truth in us, or we can choose to confess our sins. And he who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. The choice is ours. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So, brothers and sisters, my beautiful brothers and sisters, the choice is yours. The choice is mine. We can either be modern-day Pharisees, or we can be modern-day Christians. Pharisees, we can be modern-day hypocrites, or we can be modern-day followers of Jesus. The choice is ours. My encouragement, my prayer, is that we will choose better, that we will choose right that we will choose what is pleasing in the eyesight of God. May God bless you, children of God. May heaven continue to smile on each one of you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I am Apostle Robert Bryant signing out. In Jesus' mighty name.